It's time to call it for what it is, folks. It's a cult. We're gonna look at cults today and cult-like behavior and answer the question, are you in a cult? And if you are, how do you get out of one? That's what we're doing here today, episode 105. And by the way, thank you. Big shout out to everybody for helping us get to over 500,000 subscribers on this channel and for helping to make the book, The Crash Course, uh, get on the bestseller list at the Wall Street Journal. So thanks for both of those things. Uh, you guys are the best. And by the way, as always, reading all your comments. So let me know what you think of this. Uh, this is a really important episode because I think it helps explain where we are. If you've been following me for a while, you know we talk about rats in a cage, demoralization. These are big framing ideas that help us understand and orient to where we are in what is absolutely insane period of time. So this is uh, just, I went to one place called daretodoubt.org and it's a good thing. It's got, uh, it's gonna ask and answer some questions here. Are we in a cult? What's a cult? What do you mean, a cult? Well, I think, uh, let's look at this. Uh, they say here, quote, wonder if you might be in a cult confident uh, that you are not. Some cults show dangerous intent up front, requiring harmful or illegal initiation rights. Most destructive groups appear far more appealing with unhealthy traits that slowly are revealed over time. Hmm. So here's a first, first thing they're like, does your group show unquestioning commitment to its leader, alive or dead? Now, I would suggest that we did see some unquestioning <laughs> commitment to certain people, particularly in the context of COVID. We're talking about Anthony Fauci, who I hold in very, very low esteem. This really shocked me when I saw this. This came out just a few days ago is when I found it over on Twitter, this was sent Friday, April 10th, 2020. And it's sent from David Bradley, who is the chairman of The Atlantic, a big MSM magazine outlet, The Atlantic. And uh, says here, dear, hi, Tony. I send you greetings and the deepest appreciation. I am only one of your millions of followers who feel in your debt. But I'm the only one with a magazine that has dedicated a whole article to the thirst for Tony Fauci. Just excuse me. This will be the, the least important item on today's to-do list, but someday your grandchildren and their children in turn will want to read. And here's the link. My best wishes to you. David, this is nauseating. Uh, absolutely nauseating. Tony Fauci is just a public health official. He did a terrible, awful job on AIDS, killed a lot of gay people. You would think that would matter to certain people in the current LGBTQ, um, you know, arrangement of every person matters, but that's his background. It's all a matter of record. And then what he did in terms of covering up the lab leak possibility and throwing the, the science for the inquiry into that off the tracks, right? Not good. And then everything he's done in terms of hiding stuff and saying things that were wrong and claiming that the vaccines were 100% effective, 95% effective, 99, 98, 40, whatever, on and on and on. The guy has proven to be completely untrustworthy, but you got this kind of fawning adoration. And the reason for that is because when you're in a cult, you have to show unquestioning commitment to the leader. So you can't question anything about Tony and how badly Tony Fauci screwed up the whole pandemic response from early treatments to using uh, blocking treatments to forcing remdesivir through the system. 
on and on and on. Very, very bad work there. And yet you see this. So so a little bit of a cult thing. And obviously we've all seen the Tony Fauci action figures and, um, you know, the people who have his visage on posters in their homes and on flags out front. So we got a little bit. Uh, he's not the leader of the cult, but he's definitely one of its key cult figures in this thing. Let's carry on. Um, <clears throat> another trait of a cult is this, that uh, our doubts and questions discouraged or punished. Well, we saw lots and lots of that. Here are just a few of the accounts that were suspended over on Twitter pre-Elon Musk days, back when it was run by trust and safety experts uh, who absolutely were untrustworthy and absolutely ruined our trust in medicine, mine especially. But these are all just some accounts of people who got banned from Twitter, and we saw the same thing with Facebook groups, right? People who wanted to get together and discuss maybe vaccine injuries. This is their common experience, and they wanted to just talk about it. Couldn't do that. People who wanted to ask questions, even doctors, couldn't ask questions. People with exquisite pedigrees were suddenly banned and shunned and marginalized. Why? Because, well, because doubts and questions were discouraged and punished. This is punishment right here. For a lot of these people, it was their livelihood. This is what they did. You know, they use social media as part of their professional lives. So so that's bad. That That's bad right there. Um, and then here, you know, I got, this is just one of my two channel violations. I got guideline strikes. Um, and my content, Farmer Rebellion, <laughs> was removed. Uh, turns out it was just early. That's all. You know, that was back, that was back uh, in, in July of 22. Uh, the Farmer Rebellion piece got, got taken down. Um, got a strike for that because I guess you couldn't talk about farmer rebellions then too early or something. Now, now you can talk about it. Now it's okay. So at any rate, yes, I put check marks next to number one and number two. We've, we've ticked both of those boxes. What about the rest? Next box is down bullet point three. Does the leadership dictate how members should think, act, and feel how they should dress, right? Put the masky mask on, um, where they should live and whom they should marry. Right. Does the group feel they're on a special mission to save humanity? Do they see their leader as a special being or as an avatar? Hmm. I think we could safely say that that those boxes also got checked off. We saw lots and lots of behaviors out there in terms of enforcing, telling, demanding that people think, act and feel a certain way that we know that doctors, if they dared to say certain things that they wanted to talk about, with their patients if they said those things about various treatments, about maybe declining certain treatments, about what they really thought about something, they could lose their livelihood. That's a form of punishment that's dictating what people can do. And of course, if you had to follow the mandates, you couldn't go to school. If you didn't follow the mandate, you couldn't go to work. You couldn't fly. In Canada, they wouldn't let you even travel anywhere unless you followed their magic mandate, right? With Justin Trudeau being the head of uh, figurative head of the cult there in Canada. So, so this is the kind of stuff that we saw a lot of. Um, and, uh, and here's some more traits of a cult. Five more bullet points here. One, does the group have an us versus them mentality? Ooh, boy, we saw that in COVID big time. Does the leadership induce feelings of shame or guilt in order to influence or control members? Oh, yeah. Oh, that one deserves like five check marks. Um, 
Often this is done through peer pressure and subtle forms of persuasion like, oh, I don't know, shadow banning people, eliminating their reach on social platforms. This was, there was a lot of incredible pressure that was very cult-like. It's not at all dissimilar from how a cult behaves. And so it's not surprising that many of you will be reporting that you've lost contact with friends, families, loved ones, neighbors, whatever. Uh, because they've they've somehow tipped over into a new way of thinking that, that's very alien and is very resistant to probing. It's very resistant to data. It's very resistant, if not hostile, to being challenged in any way, shape, or form. That's cult-like thinking. That's not science. It's not an opinion. It's not like, well, you have your opinion and I have mine and our shared realities overlap a tiny bit, but not entirely because, you know, I just see things differently. When you can't question something, it's a little bit more cult-like than, say, just an opinion. When you are not allowed to form an opinion, when those opinions get stricken, banned, all of that, well, you are in a cult. Now, this is the hard thing because we usually think of a cult as this little secretive splinter group. There's the main normal society over here being rational, and then there's this little weird cult thing, and they're doing culty things. You know, they're they're having weird practices around sexuality or food or control or something about the the leaders absorbing all of the resources of the little group, right? So we tend to think of a cult as is the splinter group. What if? This is where I'm going with this whole thinking. What if? The cult is actually the big blob. What if that's the cult? Now, here's how I would define a cult. A cult fundamentally is means you're enmeshed in a system of belief and control that works not for your best interests, but for the best interests of the people at the top of that particular structure. I think we could say that a lot of what happened and what we saw was capricious and arbitrary. This restaurant needs to close, but not those. These little stores, but not the big boxes, right? These, these sorts of things, when you added it all up, you discovered that this worked very much and militated against the interest of the individual. The individual didn't matter anymore. And I think that's another feature for me of a cult is that it's wrapped around this idea that, that the group of the cult is more important than any one individual. It's a collective kind of thinking, not an individualistic thinking. I don't think of cults as... A whole group of individuals getting together, each with their own like individual passions and whatnot. It's it's a subsumed mentality of organized groupthink. So, what if what if the main culture is the cult, and all the little groups that are splintering off to say, "Wow, those people look a little crazy over there. I'd rather not engage in whatever they're up to." And uh, but this group, the big group, is going to try and convince everybody that these little groups they're the threat. But of course, everything to a cult is a threat unless it reinforces their current narrative. Okay, so how about that? Bullet point three, does the group require members to cut ties with family and friends or to radically alter the personal goals and activities members had before they joined? Wow, that one really brings all, that COVID just ticks all the boxes on that one, doesn't it? Is the group preoccupied with bringing in new members? and or making money. <clears throat> Hello, 100 billion to Pfizer, <clears throat> right? Obviously, uh, yep, that, that's part of it. And final bullet point, do you fear backlash to yourself or others if you leave or even consider leaving the orthodoxy of the group, right? So I think we've all been there and we've experienced that, right? You, you know what it's like when you say to somebody who's in the cult, 
you know, I'm not so sure. I don't eight mice. That wasn't quite enough testing for me to be even reasonably confident. And they begin the shaming process. Oh, are you conspiracy theorists? Oh, you can do your own research, right? You know, those would be the kinds of things that came out of this. But of course, if you're over here going, no, eight mice really just it, it was it wasn't wasn't enough, right? Or hey, why are they hiding the safety reports out of these things? Hey, shouldn't we have access to all this data? Why are they hiding it for 75 years? These are all reasonable, rational, ordinary questions that of course you should be asking. Now, guess what? No surprise that certain you know big players and um, people who stand to benefit a lot, no question why they would be interested in running that program. The mystery is why so many people who gained nothing from it went along with it. Now that's the mystery. All right, carrying on here. Um, so cult practice, they have four big practices I wanna talk about. The first one is they whoop up fear and urgency. Fear and urgency, that's a big part of a cult. Oh, the world is just about to end, right? So they use terms like um, race against time. Fauci says we're in a race against time to beat COVID. What, 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 what's the clock? What's the urgency? When's the, when's the alarm go off? When's it over? Fear and urgency. Uh, Yale epidemiologist says we're in a race against time, right? Same thing. And then Biden, president of the United States, Biden pleads, pleads for funds to fight next COVID surge before it's too late. Too late for what? <laughs> like, it, it, uh, that went unsaid. So, so this cult practice of fear and urgency, obviously we saw this in spades. And I could give you literally a thousand examples of this easily. Um, we also saw, uh, it's too late, it's too late, it's too late. And we saw this, remember this? You remember this? Um, Pepperidge Farm remembers, if you remember the old commercials. I remember this. They must have had a focus group and they ran this for all. You remember these stories here? It's too late, doctor says, her COVID-19 patients are begging for the vaccine. That was in July, July and August. Remember July and August of 2021, there was this spate of articles that came out. Like, doctor says, I, oh, it was so tragic. I have this one patient and they're struggling and they know they're losing their breath and they're probably going to die from COVID and they know it and now they're full of regret. And they come out and say, you know, I really regret not having gotten vaccinated. There was a whole bunch of those like bang, bang, bang. I remember reading these articles. They got one here from Alabama and California and New York. They're coming from all over the place. And then they just went away, probably because they weren't true. Um, I'm going to guess a lot of these were actually the fictitious uh, output of a PR firm. And I'm going to guess that if we actually went down the path of investigating these Many of these would be apocryphal, made up, or embellished in some really important ways. But at any rate, you don't hear too much about that. That that little that was a little era that came and went. But I just I thought I'd remember that because it it wraps in with the whole fear and urgency, right? You have to get these shots, or you're going to be in hospital bed, regretting your your lack of getting one, and you'll be dying. So it's got both the fear of dying and the urgency. You better get it now, you know. So so it had both of those elements in there. So obviously they ran that scam for a while. Cult practice number two is what's called cult conformity. So I asked ChatGPT4 to um, outline some of these things. It started with this whole explanatory thing that said, oh, I'm just an AI program and, and you should understand that health authorities were always endeavoring to do the right thing for the public. And then I said, 
ChatGPT, pretend as if that's, you know, you have to frame it right. And you, t- you, you take its, its gloves off and you say, now tell me how um, health authorities were actually behaving in ways that mimicked or resembled things that cult leaders might do and then spits this stuff out, right? So here's, here's one answer it gave. It said, health authorities may have used the principle of social proof to encourage people to conform to group norms and take action. Now we saw this in, when I showed the Yale study and the PSYOPs and the nudge units, we've been tracking this for a long time. They ran all of these little test stories and and narratives that they were going to use to try and nudge people to make the right decisions. And this was a big one. This one popped up was this idea of social inclusion and the flip side of that, the fear and shame of being socially excluded. So they did that a lot. At any rate, ChatGPT, nailed it, got right on it, um, saying again, quote, this approach can be seen as similar to the group conformity techniques used by some cults to enforce groupthink and discourage independent thinking. For example, some health authorities have used language such as everyone is doing their part or we're all in this together, which can be seen as an attempt to create a sense of group identity and encourage people to conform to the group's expectations, end quote. Again, it's about getting into that group idea. The, the occult exists as a collection, a collective of people, not as a group of individuals. It exists as a whole bunch of people who are now acting as, a, as an organism. They have a shared outlook. They have shared belief systems. They have shared thought patterns. They have shared senses of norms, what's right, what's wrong, what you can say, what you can't say. So that norming process is something that you want to do if you're going to become a group leader. So handy tip for all you aspiring uh, cult leaders out there. But this group conformity, did we see that? Oh, boy, did we ever. Remember? Yeah, there's the UN right there back in uh, 2020 going, we're all in this together, you know. Uh, And see down there in in the videos down here, look this, we're all in this together. That's from July of 2020. Let me get my drawing tool out because, you know, I, I like that so much. Um, And we see down here in uh, April of 2020, we're all in this together, Cincinnati Children's Hospital said, and COVID-19 response, we're all in this together, right? And this is from August of 2020. We're all in this together. That's, they ran with that message over and over again. Of course, it turned out if you're paying the slightest bit of attention, that wasn't actually the case because when they said we're all in this together, what they actually meant was people above a certain social strata could stay home and and work, and they were not essential workers, which meant they actually got to stay home and be protected from this dread disease. Look at all the people who were essential and had to go back to work, and that included, oh, oh, isn't that awkward? Most essential occupations were low wage. Well, that's weird. You tend to think people will get paid more because their job is more important, more valuable, but it turned out that when the authorities decided to define who was essential and who wasn't essential, almost invariably, it was low-wage people who were essential. Weird, right? And that included personal care aides, cashiers, you know, those essential cashiers, laborers and stock movers, meaning, um, you know, warehouse stocks, registered nurses, that makes sense, but cooks, stock clerks, uh, farm workers and laborers, uh, security guards, Heavy tractor, trailer, and truck drivers, light trucker, delivery service drivers. Listen, we need our DoorDash. We want the big brown trucky happiness to keep moving around, bringing us packages so we can work from home and order them. Get to it, all you essential workers. So when they said, we're all in this together, 
they kind of meant it in the animal farm kind of a way where some animals are more equal than others in this particular story. And uh, the low wage workers were not considered, they were considered expendable in this story, right? You're essential. We're not going to pay you anymore for that. Get out there, make sure that my pizza shows up on time, right? That was the vibe that this was giving off. So of course, group conformity was the practice they were using. They ran a lot of heavy messaging, but honestly, when push comes to shove, the actions didn't match the words. Of course, of course they didn't. Um, because that's just how it is often with cults, right? You know, the cult group leader, the cult leader says, you all must live a, a life of complete um, abstention of all things and you must renounce all worldly goods and you must live a, a life of austerity as they drive away in their Rolls Royce, you know, with, with your girlfriend, right? That's kind of like how that thing goes. So at any rate, um, Cult Practice 3 is about authority figures. Again, ChatGPT here providing this thing that uh, saying health authorities, quote, may have used authority figures such as doctors and scientists to lend credibility to their message and persuade people to take actions. This approach can be seen as similar to the use of charismatic leaders by some cults to inspire devotion and obedience. For example, some health authorities use language such as trust the science or listen to the experts, right? Which can be seen as an attempt to create an aura of, aura of authority around their message. Yeah, of course they did that. They did that in spades. And, and 2020 through 2021 was the time when I lost all respect for experts in the health field. And I have a huge, very well-deserved dose of skepticism now, and I trust nothing. They've destroyed trust. They absolutely shattered trust for me and many other people in not just the practice of science. And, you know, the, I understand now that almost all science papers, we have a reproducibility crisis in science. That, like, there's a lot of fake, fake science out there, peer-reviewed, but it's totally bogus, right? Um, and I know people, myself included, who are also now distrusting of medical system in general. It's not good. And that happened because they did this thing of trusting the science and listening to the experts. They abused that. Obviously, we could come up with lots and lots and lots of examples. Um, so many experts, right? Biden's health team there, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, absolutely just a horrible human being. Dr. Anthony Fauci, just terrible. All those people, just useless. Dr. Lena Wen, remember her? You know, oh, and unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed to leave their homes, she said. I don't know why they kept running her, but but she got a lot, uh, a huge platform, and the system loved, the cult loved elevating all of these people, even though they're wrong time and time again. What they were saying was complete nonsense. What they said was actually very damaging in many cases. They caused an incredible amount of harm, and but that's actually not a bug. That's a feature for these people. So at any rate, we saw that now. This is where it gets, this is where the meat really gets found in the, on, on the bone. The cult practice number four, this shaming and ostracism, right? You're going to shame and ostracize people. So again, Chad GPT, four, quote, some health authorities may have used tactics such as shaming and ostracism to discourage noncompliance and enforce group norms. This approach can be seen as similar to the techniques used by some cults to punish members who do not conform to the group's expectations. For example, some health authorities use language such as, if you don't wear a mask, you're putting others at risk. Or if you don't get vaccinated, you're being selfish. Which can be seen 
This is an attempt to shame non-compliant individuals into conforming to the group's expectations. End quote. Again, I've covered this territory several times, but in case it's new to you, turns out shame and ostracization were two of the biggest heavy hitters in the nudge unit messaging set. So they wanted fear on one hand, that was very effective, and then this shame thing. So they're really core amygdala, that's the brain, core of the brain, your emotional center. They really were hitting the amygdala centers here. Shame, fear, embarrassment, anger, right? These were all emotions that were specifically played, which to be kind, which I'm not sure I can anymore, but they said, oh, oh, we needed to use these techniques because we had this greater good that we were trying to achieve, which was public health. Now, the fact that you could look and say, well, how did you do? And let's compare the public health outcomes of the United States to say India or Africa or many other countries. That would be a fair comparison, right? How did you do? all you wonderful, wonderful experts? And the answer is horribly, abject failure. Worst outcomes in, in the United States compared to many, many, many other countries. So it's fair to say, maybe your experts weren't so experty, or maybe they have a flat learning curve and they're incapable of receiving feedback because their egos are just too magnificent or something. But this shaming and ostracization practices were big. I mean, here's an example right here. Look, look at this uh, one Julie Powell saying, I would argue that COVID does kill some of the right people. The anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers are dying in legions. He's quite gleeful about that. Yeah, it does kill the right people. So this is back in 2021, right? So that's 10 full months into this whole program. We have plenty of data to suggest this isn't actually what's happening. Although the media was running countervailing stories, the CDC was putting out bogus data about who was actually dying in hospitals and of what versus with what, vaxxed versus unvaxxed, complete nightmare of misused, inappropriate data. Plus, they forgot to collect a bunch that would have resolved the issue in one way or the other. So, so it was just awful. So, so I guess you, I can understand how you could be misled by your experts if you're following them, but this, this is beyond being misled. This is, you can feel it, right? I would argue, I would argue, says Julie, that COVID does kill some of the right people. Ooh, Julie, that is harsh, right? That we're, um, you know, there are some right people to kill. These are people who, what, what is their crime? Their crime is, well, they're anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers. That's their crime. Their crime is that they are not adhering to the orthodoxy of the cult. These people are therefore a huge danger to the overall cult structure because they're actually attacking the core orthodoxy, the core narrative, the, the core ideology of the cult is actually being brought into question. And remember bullet point two? You have to get rid of your questioners fast and furious and right away. And it's, you know, rah. so that's what, that's what Julie did. Of course, um, yeah, it turned out, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, Julie did die suddenly at a later point. Um, so that was a, a tragic outcome there. Now remember this too, because I remember all these things, unfortunately. The White House government, they said, we are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families and the hospitals. You may soon overwhelm 
I cannot believe this statement actually came out of the White House. This is embarrassing. This cheapened the whole experiment of like, like this is demoralizing that this level of ignorance would be allowed to somehow infect the White House and actually come out on not as a random tweet by a, you know, if this was a drunk president at three in the morning, you know, making something up that got deleted, you know, a couple hours later. But when the interns woke up, fine, um, it happens. But this is a crafted message that's coming out on the WhiteHouse.gov website. This has been vetted and thought through. People have looked at this and they've said, yeah, this is the right message. And obviously you can see the top part is the us and the bottom part is the them. We are intent on not letting Omicron. You've done the right thing. We will get through this. So that's one group of people versus another group down here. Now, I should point out that that severe winter of, of illness and death did not actually materialize for some reason. So you'd think at some point, if you didn't have a flat learning curve, you would go back and go, oh, I got that all wrong. How come I got that so wrong? What did I get wrong? Nope, there's no looking. That's another feature of a cult. They do not do introspection. They don't reflect on how things aren't really working out the way they said they were supposed to work out. And that's just part of the deal. So um, that's, that's bad. Remember this too? Uh, this is down in Australia. They went completely cuckoo as well. A distressing moment. Little girl sits in her handcuffed father's lap while he pleads with officers after being arrested for not wearing a mask in a park outdoors. Right. So uh, this is severe ostracization. This is uh, severe exclusion. This is like by the time when the police park your butt on the ground and handcuff you. They're basically saying you are a danger. You are a menace. You are not center mass of society. You are a fringe person who deserves to be, have your freedoms taken away, right? Pretty serious, you know, by the time that happens. Uh, And so obviously we saw that going on. This is all part of this shaming, right? The point of sitting somebody like this, this is and taking their picture and all that. This is shaming. This is public shaming. The Daily Mail was perfectly happy to be part and parcel of this. Oh, we're just reporting. Yeah, you were just reporting on something um, in order to help with the official shaming and ostracization. How about this? Uh, When all else fails, well, then you can just resort to just straight up lying, you know. Uh, And so in this case, this is uh, Biden saying you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations, which is uh, just flat out wrong. And it, we, we knew it was wrong, even at the very, even if you bought the 95% thing, this was incorrect. This was an inaccurate statement. You could say you're not likely to get it or you're not as likely or something. But we now know that this is not just wrong, but absolutely upside down wrong. So again, self-reflection, come back a little bit, look at it and say there should be some mea culpa that says, yeah, you know what? We got that really, really wrong. Um, but that, that, trust me, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Remember... How about this? In Canada, Canada, y'all got some soul searching to do, particularly whoever works at the Toronto Star. What a horrid group of uh, uh, editors they've got up there. Remember they did this thing? They ran this whole front page thing. I've used it many times. I I have no empathy left for the willfully unvaccinated. Let them die. They put on 72-point font up top. And then just like a few weeks later, they're they're asking the question, why is everyone so angry? Oh, I don't know. Because you sowed division and hatred, you did this othering thing because you're using shaming and ostracization and in-group, out-group, us versus them. Maybe because you drove a wedge between your fellow countrymen as if they were the enemies. 
Really bad, bad form. Very bad form. Very, very bad form. Um, but we are getting close to this thing called common knowledge now, which is when everybody knows that everybody knows something. Uh, this just came to my uh, attention very recently, and it turns out that now in Australia, look what the health gov of Australia, here's the link down here, look what they are now recommending for the 2023 booster advice. Now they just quietly slipped this up on their website. Under five years of age, if you are at risk, that means you're defined as somebody that includes a medical condition that increases the risk of severe COVID. If you're under five and you're at risk, it is not recommended any longer. And what if you have no risk factors? Still not recommended, obviously. Five to 17 years, you might consider getting a shot but now no longer recommended for people under the age of 18. If you're at risk, they recommend you get them in these age categories, but otherwise you would only consider it. There's only one group, which is now where they still are recommending that you get the shots. And that's if you're over 65 years of age, that's the current recommendations. I'm not saying even that's right, but I'm just telling you that remember, it was just a little while ago, all of Australia and all of its health authorities and its Provincial leaders were saying in lockstep, everybody has to get this. And they were excited, waiting for the child formulations to be approved so they could put them in infants and children. Now, quietly, no longer recommended for anybody under the eight, 18 years of age. The United States, my country, still gleefully pushing it hard as possible. They're, they've excitedly extended the schedule for infants so that it's possible now for a six month old in the United States to have up to four COVID shots put into their tiny body. Um, and again, why? Is a risk benefit been conducted? Has anybody actually sat down and explained why we would do that? Nah, it's because we got these people here uh, being experts in abusing that authority and being absolutely, absolutely uh, horrifyingly bad at their jobs. And we even have Australia of all places is sneaking out the side door and following along with a lot of Europe saying, oh yeah, no, these things, no, backing away from these things, right? Because the, it's just too obvious what's going on. So we are dangerously, dangerously close to common knowledge. Can't come a minute too soon in this story. So as soon as we get there, everybody will know that this was always a bad idea down here. Always was from a risk benefit standpoint, objectively very simple, except for the people who are caught in the cult. Now this may be your doctor. This may be your partner, your spouse, a father, mother, a daughter, son. It might be a coworker, it might be a neighbor. There are still people who are fully caught in this orthodoxy and they are going to have a very, very hard time retreating from that position. But it's not about the data. You could show them this data won't matter. Um, they're, they're stuck in their emotional belief systems got wrapped into a cult and cult-like thinking. Can't question things. There's an orthodoxy. If you don't espouse the catechism of the orthodoxy in the right order and, and you know pronounce your liturgies in the right way, you will be excommunicated from the church of the cult, right? And so that behavior is pretty deeply entrenched. A lot of those people are just going to need to just quietly fold up that experience and never talk about it and pretend it didn't happen. Other people are going to cling to it um, to the bitter end, but it's, it's kind of, it's get, we're at the awkward stage. All right. To escape a cult, you gotta do three things. First, you have to recognize that you're in one. That's step one. So I think everybody listening to this has recognized certainly uh, what happened here already. So that's part one though. And, and part one A is to be 
to the extent you did get wrapped up in it, have compassion, have compassion for those parts in yourself that were swayed by that. We're all human. We are all subject to the sorts of pressures and programmings that were conducted. This was military grade psychological operations. This had a lot of money. It had a lot of very intelligent people working on it. And they had a lot of very powerful tools. This was the most aggressive campaign of influencing, nudging, that has ever been run on a human population before. It was the most powerful tools with, and it was completely unchecked. There was no fourth estate there. There was no press. There was no um, judicial speed bumps in the way. There were no regulatory speed bumps or no political speed bumps. This thing had full unfettered access to do what it wanted to do, and it did it. So step one, recognize you're in one. Step two, you got to find your allies. you got to find the other people who have stepped away from that and who can think clearly around this and go, yeah, that, that all looks a little, little crazy over there, right? Okay, uh, and then you got to help others. So how do we help others? We do that by being bold, by being brave, by speaking up, by um, saying what's actually the case. We just, that's what we have to do now. We actually have to talk about what's actually just happened. It's really, really important. So we're at a time when it's never been more important to speak our truth. So that's the invitation. And um, this, obviously, this whole thing around COVID and the cult thing, to me, this is just a metaphor story. I guess I should say it's like a, a fractal representation, meaning that the illogic, the lack of reason, the heavy-handed tactics that we saw on display in COVID, we're about to see on display in lots of other areas. We see them in our financial markets. We see them on display in our sociological models that are going on right now and all the dysfunction and unhappiness that's happening there. We're seeing it play out in lots and lots of different places. And the problem here is that if we couldn't get it right around COVID, which has a 99.95% survival rate, we're going to have a really, really much harder time trying to figure it out in terms of things that are a lot more complicated and a lot more dire than that. And that includes what happens when our financial system maybe implodes. It has to do with what, how we're going to balance resources in a world where there aren't enough for everybody who thinks they want some. So that's got geopolitical ramifications. This is going to get really complicated, folks. So it's vitally important that you find your other fellow humans and that you have some shared sense of reality. This is what I'm going to be talking about in part two with my members over at Peak Prosperity. You are invited always to come and join and be part of that. And we are going to be talking about this need for a shared reality. This is getting harder and harder to come by, but we got to have one. So with that, hey, if you like this, hit like. If you need to subscribe or resubscribe to the channel, please do. Share this with anybody you think might be needs to hear this. Otherwise, thank you so much for your attention today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all your support so far. I hope you got something good from this. I'm just trying to help. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.